This episode of Literary Treks is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. taking all these books? I thought I'd take some light reading, in case I got bored. Welcome everyone to another episode of Literary Treks, our dedicated Star Trek books and comics show. I'm Christopher Jones, and with me as he is every single week is Matthew Rushing. Matthew, we've got an interesting motif going today. You're wearing a Superman shirt, and I'm wearing a Flash-inspired Bazinga shirt. Are, are we, you know, preparing to star in a new film? What's going on here? Yeah, I feel like we're going to have a new buddy comedy uh, about just two geek guys uh, who who po- who met podcasting and then become fast friends. Um, I feel like it's going to be a great show and uh, we're, we're off to a good start. You know, this was just a mistake on our part. I mean, I didn't call you up and be right. like, hey, Chris, I'm wearing the Superman t-shirt. Are you going to wear the Bazinga shirt? But I think it shows the, the connection, which is why... You know, we we would work well as a geek buddy superhero t- tag team tandem, if you will, on the big screen. Yeah, I think we. Uh, man, why is somebody not <laughs> writing this down, Chris? I, I feel like this is really going to work. All right. Well, well, let's jump in here. We have a little bit of book news today, and then we're going to talk about the first issue of the new All Doctor comic, Flesh and Stone. Then we're going to be joined by Dan Gunther of Trek Lit Reviews to talk about our Star Trek Lit wish list. Matthew, the first bit of news that we have up here today is about the Titan series and how that's going to play out after the events of the fall. Well, Chris, this is something that I think a lot of fans have kind of been wondering about. You know, the the Titan is recalled, and if you do remember. Uh, the Titan itself was out past the Vela Pulsar and the Gum Nebula. And I'm really just on the edge of space uh, where we know. They came all the way back home. And so now that James Swallow has, has, has been tapped to write the new Titan novel, he realized, look, I can't just bring these characters back to where they were. I really have to deal with what's going on. I mean, especially Riker being made an admiral. And so this is what he's decided to do is he's like, okay, well, let's do it. Let's shake some things up. Let's let's do some things a little bit differently. Um, he said we're going to see some new characters. Um, we're going to see some go through some changes. And then, of course, uh, Riker, this is exciting, is, is um, actually planted his flag on the Titan, and it will be his mobile command center. Uh, and Lieutenant Sura, his little aide, who's been his with him all throughout aide. the fall— His little aide uh, is actually going to be with him as well. And so she's going to be part of the Titan crew. So I'm excited. Uh, I I love the Titan series, but I too kind of wondered how this was going to play out. 
And I'm glad they're really going to deal with what happened. Well, I'm glad to hear that Riker is planting his flag on the Titan and not planting his flag all over the galaxy like he did for so many years. This is true, Chris. Um, You know, I don't think Deanna would be happy if he (laughs) was still doing that. Um, And we know Will. He he is a one-woman guy when he's with one woman. So I'm glad. Uh, I I think this is going to be really exciting. And and gosh, I I really do. I really enjoy the Titan series. It's been one of my favorites. And I I feel like James Wallow really also gets this series and these characters. So I can't wait for this to come out. Well, the other thing that we have news on today is the blurb from Lust's Latinum Lost and Found, which is a book I'm really looking forward to because it sounds like it's going to be a riot. It says, businesses down at Quark's public house, cafe, gaming emporium, Hollow Sweet Arcade, and Ferengi Embassy to Bajor. Way down. Lower level of hell down. The station <laughs> is bustling, but residents and visitors are spending more time and latinum at the new Deep Space Nine's park, sports fields, theater, swimming complex, and who knows what else than they are at Quark's establishment. All of Quark's misfortunes just could be reversed, however, when he finds out that one of the steamiest hollow novels to hit the Alpha Quadrant in years is up for grabs, and he has an inroad to acquiring it before anyone else. Or does he? So what do you think, Matthew, from this blurb? Chris, I honestly just feel like somebody's been listening to a lot of Trek FM. I think so, uh, We have made (laughs) so many jokes over the years uh, about this program. Yeah. Um, It is exciting to see that somebody's taken us seriously and and decided that this needed to be a real story. And so uh, I'm really excited. And by somebody, of course, this story is written by Terry J. Erdman and Paula Block, right? That's right. Who knew that they were listeners, Chris? I didn't um, know that. But yeah, uh, yeah it's great. So but thanks, no, guys. I think <laughs> I think that this sounds like a lot of fun. Um, you know, uh, if if anything, I miss the fact that um, we realize that Star Trek can be fun. You know, some of the best episodes of Star Trek are fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you think of Trouble with Tribbles, Trials and Tribulations. Um, you know, some of those great Ferengi episodes are very funny. Um, and honestly, even just some of the Deep Space Nine episodes have a lot of humor to them. They do have a lot of humor in them, yeah. Which you're surprised at, I think, a lot of times. And so I, I'm glad when we get this kind of thing. And I'm I'm excited that we're going to see Quark going after uh, the newest uh, Vulcan love slave. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Well, fortunately, that is a holodeck program, and so maybe an army of doctors will not be needed to treat the results of Vulcan love slaves. (laughs) But if they were, Matthew, we would have them covered with the comic that we're going to talk about today, which is the first issue of Flesh and Stone. This is the Star Trek special one-shot comic that is tied in, it's created in partnership with the Calcom Tricorder X Prize. And we're going to talk a bit about the story today, so spoiler alert, if you haven't read the story, we will talk about some things in here that you might want to be surprised about. We're not going to go super in-depth. It's not, it's not a review like when we review the entire run of one of these multi-part comics, but 
Matthew, what did you think here? Uh, I, did you get past the cover? I mean, it took me a while. I just couldn't turn the cover. Beverly's right there in the center, and I just found myself staring at it for, you know, a good 10, 15 minutes. Um, I'm with you, Chris. I, I did have a trouble getting past the cover again. It, it has all of these famous Star Trek doctors on it, with the exception of Pulaski, um, on the cover. She's on it. <laughs> yeah, she's on she's the, the cover, but she's not famous. <laughs> yeah. Um, can, can I just and, say, Matthew, did you notice with Pulaski, they, they introduce each doctor and they tell you where they're stationed. Do you notice the name of her starship? It's the USS Repulse. And I thought it was yes. hilarious. I'm like... Yeah, Pulaski, she's quite repulsive. It's fitting that she would be the chief medical officer aboard the USS Repulse. It it made complete sense to me. <laughs> um, I can't think of another starship that would probably have her, honestly. So, um, Maybe the USS yeah. Grouchy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> USS something else. Captain Oscar. <laughs> there you go. Um, it's a big trash can in space. <laughs> right. With nacelles <laughs> sticking out of the side. Exactly. Um, you know, this was a... Just the idea, okay, we're going to take a comic and we're going to put all of the doctors that we can from Star Trek, from Star Trek history, and put them all together, have them solve a mystery. And one, you know, Chris, I wasn't really expecting them to solve the mystery in one comic, were you? Well, at least this part of the mystery. Right. The The thing is that I was thinking that as I was going along, and when I realized that they're going to solve this by the end of this 24-page comic, I started thinking that, okay, this is just the setup to bring them together. The real story is yet to come. This virus that's turning everyone into stone is not the actual mystery or the real story of flesh and stone, even though, I mean, it makes sense flesh and stone. But now if it is the real mystery, then I suspect in the next one, we're going to find out that this virus has been unleashed on a wide scale. And then they're going to have to take what they've learned and somehow find a treatment for the entire Federation, maybe. But I don't know, it could be that there's going to be a series of problems that they have to solve. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking. And, and obviously, I think here um, they do leave you with uh, the wondering about, you know, who sabotaged the doctor. And so that's a mystery that, that is left to be solved. So um, we are obviously talking about um, the doctor from Voyager and not the doctor with a TARDIS. Well, someone sabotaged the medical record, the database. And mm-hmm. thank goodness the, the, the EMH was there or else... Um, Everyone, would, I mean, this plan would have succeeded quite easily if it weren't for him. But, uh, but who and, and it's hired nice this to s- guy to yes, come in and do yes. this? That's going to be the big question. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the big storyline. Um, it's nice to see, you know, that Pulaski is still a racist. Um, and, <laughs> right. uh, you know, uh, it's, it's good to see that she hasn't changed. Oh, um, Pulaski, I, man. I did like, too, Chris, that the way that they... Um, inserted you know i i wonder okay how do you get bones and flocks in this okay we know bones is still alive at this point most likely most likely i mean yeah yeah, but flocks i don't know how you get him in here and so i thought that that was relatively clever it's a bit of a stretch for flocks to be there i mean do we really know the lifespan of denobulans was it ever really established do they live you know, 300 uh, years I, like Vulcans? Or? Yeah, I don't think that, um, 
I don't recall it being firmly established how long they live. And, and therefore, because of that, I think I didn't have a huge problem. Right. Because they could be there. really long lived. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, which, gosh, when you think about their family structure and their planet and everybody lives for that long of a time, is overcrowding a problem on their planet? <laughs> right, I know, right? <laughs> like, seriously, overcrowding, that's got to be a problem on their planet. You know, I, there are a lot of things I like with different alien races in this comic that are, I mean, they're obvious and you can look at it like, okay, well, they just had to do that, didn't they? But at the same time, it's kind of funny, you know, they continue the whole thing with Benzites not wanting to reveal information. It's kind of their theme. Yeah. We, we've seen that uh, on TNG. We've seen it in other comics where they they just don't tell the captain what's going on until they've pretty much got all the information they think they can gather. And the captain's like, you think you could have told me that there's a ship right on top of us? Yeah. Um, I also, I, I thought this was interesting, you know, reading through this um, here. And, and, you know, we're, Chris, we're both kind of reading through the Light Fantastic right now. Uh, and the issues with holographic characters and their nature and them being sentient. The, the attitude we saw with certain people towards the Voyager Doctor still was very interesting in the comic and how some of the people in the comic, obviously like Beverly or, or Julian, who are very accepting, obviously think of him much like they would Data. He's a person. He's He is sentient. Yeah. He's all those things. And then, of course, on the other side with somebody like Pulaski, who just thinks of him as a doorstop, to, you know, to, you know, give her information. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought it was fitting, you know, Pulaski's attitude towards Data it's the same thing, her attitude towards the holographic doctor. So, But uh, all in all, I, I don't know, what what were your kind of, uh, you know, reading through the whole thing, Chris, and, and yeah, just your, I, your general impression of, say, the first episode of, of the series? I thought it was fun. It's, a lot of it is a stretch. The fact that it's tied into this Tricorder X Prize allows me to forgive some of the what I feel is kind of a ridiculous nature of the setup a little bit because they need to find a way to get all these doctors together to tell a story and it's for a great cause, which is advancing our own medical technology. The idea that there would be this space station and they would be gathering like all the greatest physicians from all of Starfleet in one place, it's the same. And when you see Bashir and you see... Crusher and Pulaski on this shuttle together coming in. It reminds me of my feelings like with Into Darkness. And even Kirk says this in Into Darkness that you think it's a really good idea like gather everybody in one place when there's an emergency. Right. <laughs> it's like if there were yeah. a national emergency in the United States, if you got the president, the vice president, the speaker of the house and, and the Senate majority leader, mm-hmm. you get everyone together in this one room to talk about it. It wouldn't make any sense, right? And that's not what you do. Right. You want to kind of separate people. So I kind of had that feeling like, you know, something bad is going to happen as soon as you see all of these doctors standing together. And then you know that Bashir Crusher and Pulaski are on their way to join them as well. It seems like a bad idea. But the way that they brought the other people in, like Bones and Flocks, like you said, I think it was kind of clever and it was done in a way that it made enough sense that it didn't feel like it was something completely ridiculous. Uh, the mystery is 
pretty good. And I thought they did a good job of not cluing you in to what was happening until the very end. Because I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, like, what might be going on here? Maybe someone's reprogrammed the EMH. Maybe he's the one who deleted things from the database and he doesn't know it. Maybe one of these other doctors is a saboteur. Like, what's really going on here? They planted enough seeds to make you think it could be this and it could be this and it could be that to make it interesting all the way to the very end. Yeah, I agree with you, Chris. I I enjoy the comic for the most part. You know, I because it's a comic, I give it a little bit more leeway than say like a novel anyway. Yeah. And going in knowing that they're going to have all of these doctors together, I I'm not, you know, like what you know they've all got to these find some way to pull place. them together right yeah yeah exactly and i didn't have as much a problem with it that the, the conference because i remember a few times on deep space nine them making fun of the the places that doctors go for their conferences with julian and how they always go to just really nice resort places well they're like they're um, like college football coaches yeah right we're gonna have our our meeting is gonna be at the beach in destin yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I thought that was really um, something that, that made sense. And, and on a whole, I just enjoyed having these doctors work together. And so that's the part that I'm really hoping yeah. to see play out more as the series goes on. And I guess my thought is that maybe each of the main doctors will have kind of a place to shine in each of the comics as well, kind of what their strengths are. So I think that'll be fun. Um, so all in all, it's really a great comic. I, I enjoy it. There's one notable doctor missing, though, Matthew. And I was I was expecting with so many doctors there at some point, I thought the EMH was going to walk into that, that bay and push some canisters out of the way. And Dr. Solara was going to be hiding behind there. Well, let's hope, Chris, <laughs> for the both of us, that Solar just shows up in the next issue. I hope so, yeah. <laughs> So, well, okay, so if you're going to give a rating here to issue number one, what would you give it? You know, uh, Chris, I think that I would give this, um, well, you know, there's some great scenes in here where where Beverly is staring very intently (laughs) at the screen. I'm going to give this three out of five Beverly stares. Okay, very good. You know, I guess I'll give this one... I'll give it three tricorder X Prize entries. Nice. I like it. All right. There we go. Well, that's all we have in the news segment today. Before we go into the feature, I want to remind everyone about our reviews promotion. You can win some great Star Trek prizes just for reviewing Literary Treks and all the other shows on the network, as well as the Master Feed. It's very simple. You just leave your reviews, and then you go to trek.fm slash review and complete the form there to get your name in the drawing. You can leave reviews on iTunes and on Stitcher as well, and we'll tell you more about it at the end of the show. Also, we'd like to tell you about our sponsor for today's show, Audible.com. They are the best source for audiobooks that you will find anywhere online, and as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free book of your choice just for trying Audible. All you need to do is to go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up for the trial and choose your book. Matthew, uh, listeners may not know that we often record our shows in reverse order. We often record the feature before we record the news. And in our discussion today, Peter David's New Frontier books came up, 
and I learned that you've never read them. And so I wanted to let you know that they're available on Audible. Well, Chris, now that I know that they're available on Audible, I could go get one and, and take a listen. This is fantastic. It's good to know it. Crazy to think that they've been out that long that they were still coming out in audiobook version because we don't get many Trek books in audio anymore. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, they came out in, I want to say it was either, I'd have to go look it up to know for sure. It was either early 97 or late 96. I'm pretty sure it was early 97 when the first books came out. And they were they were these little thin books that you mm-hmm. put them together and they make one novel. And the audio version of those first four books is available. It's narrated by Joe Morton, and it runs about four and a half hours, roughly. It is abridged, which is often the case with Star Trek books in audio format, but it still runs about four and a half hours, and you can get that absolutely free just for trying Audible. And then Excalibur, which is a later book in the New Frontier series, Excalibur Restoration is also available, also narrated by Joe Morton. That book's from around 2000. So you can pick these up, and Matthew, you can get your feet wet in the New Frontier series and do it really easily in audio format. Awesome. That's great. So if you would like to pick this book up as well, or any other book you would like, absolutely free, just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm, sign up for the trial, if you decide not to stick with Audible at the end, there's nothing to lose. You'll get to keep that book. But if you love podcasts, you're going to love audiobooks, and there's no better place to get them than Audible. And your support of Audible really helps us keep the show coming to you every week because the money we receive from Audible, when just one of you tries out the service, almost covers the cost of hosting and distributing literary treks for an entire month. So you're really helping us out when you do that. So go check it out, audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we really thank Audible for their support of the show and the network. Well, Chris, we've got a really fun show today. Um, I think that this is one of our most inspired ideas. And we have been reading, both you and I, Treklet for a long time. Dan uh, from Treklet Reviews is here with us. And Dan, I know you have been as well. And so one of the things that you always end up doing when you're reading a long series or you're kind of involved with media tie-ins is you kind of have these ideas of, man, wouldn't it be great if dot, dot, dot. So I thought it would be fun just for us to have that kind of discussion between the three of us. Um, some of the things, you know, Dan, I know as well, and you're on Trek BBS. You get a lot of those kind of conversations there. And I just thought it would be a great idea for us to sit down and kind of chat about um, the books that we've liked. But then the things that we really would love to see from Trek Lit. I mean, I do think that this has been kind of a, a renaissance in Trek Lit over the last few years. We've gotten some fantastic books. I mean, the Voyager series has turned a show that I couldn't stand. It is something that I cannot wait to read. Here, uh, here. <laughs> you know, uh, Jeff Lang has has made me a Data fan, as everybody finally found out the last time we recorded with him. Um, you know, um, I think Christopher L. Bennett has taken Enterprise and made it something that, God, don't you just wish that show was on TV? Yeah. Still, I mean. Absolutely. So all of these kind of things have been happening. And. Last but not least, they've taken Harriman and made him a character that we all love in the books. Like, And you know, I just watched Generations <laughs> the other day oh, okay. for The Ready Room, which is out now as we're recording this. And 
I was watching him again, and this was after we have done all these harem and books and comics recently. And I wanted to go into that thinking that, okay, I'm going to maybe I'll see Harriman differently now. Nope. Same as always. <laughs> Just doesn't work in generations. But you're right. In the literature, they actually have turned Harriman into someone that you can identify with a bit. Well, and that, I think it's just because they have time to spend on his character instead of making him kind of a throwaway. So so to start this off, we, we each came up with a list of four or five things that, that we'd like to see uh, happen in Treklik. Just kind of basically our wish list. Now, hopefully Margaret and the writers are, are listening and, and might glean some ideas. You know, <laughs> right. They come up with fantastic things, but these are just some things that uh, we as fans... We'd kind of like to see there. So, so Dan, what's your first thing that you'd love to see here uh, happen in Treklet? Okay, well, uh, I was a huge fan of the uh, Mirror Universe stories, especially the ones that David David Mack wrote, uh, the two novels, uh, Sorrows of Empire and Rise Like Lions. And that book in particular ended on such an amazing kind of cliffhanger, kind of loose threads thing that I would really, really love to see a continuation of that from that point on. I hear that. You know, I've heard that from a lot of fans um, that they would love to see the, the Mirror Universe uh, come back. You know, I read, I think, all of the omnibuses that they did uh, of where they had, you know, like six different stories, one from each of the series. Um I didn't ever read the David Macwoods, and I will go back and read them sometime just because I enjoy his novels and I've heard they're fantastic. <laughs> but I am surprised that that's something that they haven't done maybe at least just one book a year in because mm -hmm. it really was, uh, you know, people loved the Mirror Universe. I mean, Enterprise, mm -hmm. one of their most, their top rated episodes of all time are the Mirror Universe episodes, whether you liked them yeah. or not. Now, yeah. well, and as you know, I don't really like those episodes all that much they're okay but i think that they are overly praised and they're not a good representation of what enterprise is as a series and so i get frustrated when i always see them at number one on the list of best enterprise episodes but part of my problem with those episodes is that they serve no purpose really in a story other than let's go play around in the tos world for a little while however if enterprise had continued for three more seasons and they had revisited that story, I might feel very different about them. So for me, if they did Mirror Universe books, I would like to see a continuation of that storyline from Enterprise to find out what happens with Empress Hoshi and where the Empire goes in, in that timeline. Chris, mm. that's just because you would like some EU-like characters you know on your wall i mean i know you created your own empress hoshi and he, she's up there in your in your office <laughs> well, that was actually but, greg that did oh, that yeah, long that's ago true, the that's true greg yeah, he worked so, on it for months and months yeah but i gotta say you're right that would be a fantastic idea so and and i think there's a lot of different ways to, to be able to do that i i think dan you're right a lot of people would like to see a follow-up with david max book at least give him one more to kind of finish out his thought process there but at the same time, I would love to see some of the connections between how you get from Empress Hoshi to where we were when you met them in TOS. And mm -hmm. maybe even some crossover. I mean, does, does you know, Archer go to the Mirror Universe? You know, Prime Archer go to the Mirror Universe. He just never happens to tell anybody about it. 
you know, uh, I think that would be a really interesting story. But the other angle there is that that may not be the same universe as the mirror universe visited by Kirk in Mirror Mirror. It could be that there are all these parallel universes that are slightly different. It could be that that is a different mirror universe. This is really true. Um, and that's, I think, the tricky thing is at least we've seen the mirror universes that we've had in Star Trek. It's always been the same one we're led to believe. But you're right. I mean, who knows? The uh, one in DS9 is definitely the same one exactly. because they reference um, you know, Kirk coming through. But it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. So if you have a problem with it matching up, and this is something that thanks to the JJ films may be a little bit easier for Star Trek fans to accept that there are these parallel timelines. You could do it that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. very true. Although, you know, I, I yesterday's Enterprise, uh, you know, no fan had any trouble accepting that, that there was that alternate timeline. And, right. And so... See, that's the thing that I always get to with, with the Abramsverse films, that no one complained at all about yesterday's Enterprise or or anything else that happened on TNG. But the Abramsverse stuff has just sent everyone into a tizzy. Right, yeah. just now that we're spending a little bit longer right. in one of these universes, you know, all of a sudden people are freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's so funny. I mean, again, it, on top of that, nobody freaked out when we had the Mirror Universe and Deep Space Nine quite a few times and that they were spending time there. Um, so, I, yeah, I... I think it's very valid to do this, and, and I, I, I'm so thinking that it might be something that they revisit, especially, you know, with the 50th anniversary coming up, the Mirror Universe being very popular. I could see them having maybe another anthology, um, allowing David Mack to at least be able to finish it up, and part of that anthology would be great. So, yeah, great suggestion, Dan. Well, you you haven't read those novels, so I, I don't want to give away the ending, but uh, one of my favorite characters from the Deep Space Nine relaunch actually shows up in the Mirror Universe, and then it ends. Oh, wow. That's uh, awesome. And I know you would love it, so. <laughs> I'm uh, great. Just add it to the list. <laughs> my my never-ending book list. <laughs> um. Well, for me, you know, we've we've talked about it on the show, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But I, I do think that it's something that's worth mentioning is I would just love to see more movie era books. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a great era. I would love to know about a lot of different characters in that era. Um, you know, I, I'd also love to know, you know, what happens between uh, Star Trek five and Star Trek six, because there's quite a lot that seems to happen. Well, we know Scotty there. bought a yacht. Uh, <laughs> Scotty bought a boat. I mean, you yeah. know, um, and everybody was kind of like, off the Enterprise, they're about to be decommissioned, you know, but it, it, it seemed like it, it had been a while. I mean, they're they're all definitely much older at that point. Um, you know, Spock's been off doing other things as well. So that's a really um, big era I'd like to see filled in. I'd also like to see what happens right after the motion picture, more novels there, kind of connecting us to uh, the Wrath of Khan. You know, uh, Chekhov leaves the Enterprise at that point, you know, um, Spock is just, they're using the Enterprise kind of as a training vessel. Is that really all it does at that point? I mean, there's a lot you can fill in there. So, What if it turned out that with Chekhov, it was the same as Chapel, where each character had to go on a mission alone with Spock <laughs> in a small craft, and that <laughs> led them all to decide to leave the Enterprise? I am not working with that guy alone <laughs> ever again. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, so I, I just think it would be fun uh, to, and, and I think it's a, it's an era that just hasn't been mined a lot. Um, so I'd love to see more books there. Absolutely. Chris, what about you? Well, I'm trying to decide which one to throw out here first. I guess I'll stick with the serious side here because we're talking about filling in gaps in the timeline. I had an idea for, because in Deep Space Nine, we see this corruption of the Federation kind of accelerating. And of course, we have bad morals, which we've had around for a long time. But Section 31 is more active. The There's all this pressure on the Federation that is creating situations where, you know, it feels like rights are being eroded and things that you expect in wartime or times when your security feels threatened. And it feels like the Federation is headed for a collapse. And we could jump like far into the future, do a series that's sort of like Isaac Asimov's Foundation series, where it would be the story of the Second Federation, like after this collapse and after this long, dark period. And then the Federation is reborn. And then you could tell the story of the Federation moving forward from there. That reminds me of the... uh cartoon series that they had thought about doing and, and Jose oh, right, and right. Doug had yeah, worked the one on that Dave Rossi and Jose yeah. Munoz, Doug um, Marabella were doing, yeah. Yeah, and um, it would have been kind of an interesting idea, you know, the, the Federation who kind of lost its luster and, and now mm-hmm. it's it's kind of on the way back. So that would be a really interesting storyline to tell. It, it also reminds me a lot of what they did with Star Wars comics. They jumped a hundred years or so into the future and did the Legacy series. This would be going, like, for my idea, this would be going thousands of years into the right, future. Right, much like, like Foundation, mm, yeah. There really has to be a dark period that you're emerging from. Hmm. I like that kind of a very epic take on Star Trek history and that kind of yeah. thing. And it's separated far enough from everything that we know that there's no conflict with the established mm-hmm. canon or anything like that. Yeah, that would be really interesting, especially once you get to the point where it's that far away. I mean... You know, you're not really referencing anybody we know either. Well, except for that scene where they find Dr. McCoy on a planet somewhere. Of course. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> true. Or too. or they have a staff meeting. What I think D. would be interesting yeah. about it is that you could you could see how the values and the principles of the Federation would evolve at a time when they're separated far enough from what gave us the Federation that we know. So it's not an offshoot of our own world anymore. It's it's like another study in how societies come together and how their values form. The interesting thing with that story, too, is once you go thousands of years, you kind of get into the uh, realm of, you know, thousands of years ago becomes mythology. So right, it'd yeah, be kind exactly. of interesting to see, like, you know, the the tales of Daring Do and, and the legendary mm-hmm. exploits of these, you know, larger than life people that, you know, we would know, of course, is like Kirk, Spock, Picard, yeah. Cisco. So Kirk is like a hollow um, program, you know, so he's basically <laughs> their Captain Proton. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess we get enough Kirk worship in the 24th century, but, you know, I yeah, mean, especially from really Janeway. Cool. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Janeway has passed the stories of Kirk down from generation to generation. So a thousand years from now in the Janeway family, there's no telling what kind of man Kirk was. So do we call this new series Star Trek Generations? Oh, second federation that's what i would call it second federation that you uh, the asmov 
you know, people might sue you for that one. They so, might, yeah. You yeah, know. Yeah. Well, they, <laughs> I don't think the word second is something you can trademark, so. Probably not, so. Well, uh, Dan, what, what would be your next pick for something you'd like to see happen? Uh, well, one thing I thought of um, are stories that center around Captain Pike and his crew of the Enterprise. We've gotten a few novels like that over the years. Uh, one of my absolute favorites is Burning Dreams by Margaret Wander Bonanno. Oh, man, great book. Oh, I love that story. We've gotten a few that, you know, weren't quite as good. Um, Children of Kings. I don't know if you read that one. I did not I read that one, so. Less impressed, but we have gotten a few really good ones. And uh, I feel like, did either of you ever read the uh, Early Voyages comic from Marvel? I have, was, uh, we read that. I can't remember now. I, I haven't read that I'm one. not sure. Mm. Yeah, it, it kind of centered around uh, Pike's crew and that sort of thing. And I thought they were excellent. I We've think, read some I comics that, that centered on Pike's crew, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that is one of those things. Gosh, you could even you could even do um, Robert April, too. I mean, you've got so much you could actually do here uh, with with the canon because there's so much to play with. that We don't know anything mm-hmm. about. I mean, gosh, that's a great story, too, for um, trying to retcon Spock a little bit and, you know, his uh, his shouting ways. His shouty ears. Yeah, his shouty ears. Uh, We could actually maybe just call it Spock the shouty ears. It's his recollection. (laughs) There is actually uh, one one issue or a two-parter, I think, of uh, Early Voyages that talked about that, and it had, you know, Spock kind of still very emotional and that sort of thing and i my memory is kind of vague on it but something happened happened on a landing party and you know he messed up and that's kind of when he decided no i need to put all these emotions aside and and really try and be as vulcan a vulcan as i can be kind of thing it was really interesting to kind of get that backstory that's a good idea captain <laughs> i know what happened they went down to a planet and he found a mr microphone he brought it back up he's playing with it all the time he's got it in the lounge there when uhura is trying to sing instead of harp spock is trying to shout over her singing over her with mr microphone <laughs> that or somebody recorded him and he played it back and he's like ah oh, that's what oh, i god. sound like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> well you've seen that photoshop image i'm sure online before of vulcan idol right with the american idol logo but it's vulcan idol and it's got spock singing i love it (laughs) oh yeah it's great (laughs) that's uh i think though um definitely something you can do Uh, you know burning dreams really proved you can make pike a a really interesting character um and and there's a lot of story to tell i think really honestly that whole era between enterprise and all the way to pike it's just so fascinating. Like, there's so much that happens there in the Federation, which, you know, Alec Peters and, and the guys are going to kind of fill in a little bit of that with the Four Years' War with the Klingons and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it's just, there's so much you can do because there's these little snippets of information that we have, but not really a through line. And you could honestly do some great stories there and find a way to tie it in somehow so it's you know, for the selling factor. Um, and so I, I really, I think that's a fantastic idea. Well, for me, I'd say I would love to see more books and this kind of piggybacks off that. I think I would love to see more books about Harriman. We talked about him a little bit. 
Uh, I'd love to see more Lost Era stuff and even Enterprise C stuff. You know, um, tell me more about, uh, you know, Rachel Garrett and her crew. Uh, they seem to have had pretty exciting adventures. They had the maroon jackets. Unfortunately, it must have gotten really sweaty under there because they didn't get to have the turtleneck. Right. Um, yeah. Their, their ship, they kept it a little bit warmer than most. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think all of these kind of areas are fantastic. Um, I really have enjoyed most of the stories that we've gotten about Harriman. I've enjoyed a lot of the Lost Era books. I, I think of, um, as well, The Buried Age by Christopher L. Bennett, giving us that whole big backstory of Picard and who he was before even the Stargazer which I thought was really fascinating. And again, we've got this whole era between the end of, you know, the undiscovered country all the way to the next generation, that 67 years or so, or 76 years, excuse me, or so. And uh, that's that's a lot of time. Um, and, and a lot of, of history happens in that time period. So I, I would love to see, especially too, you know, Starfleet seems to change a lot. It goes from being a little bit more military to being a Hilton in space. How does that happen? <laughs> um, you know, I kind of want to know those things. So I, I feel like you could really fill in some gaps yeah. there and still use younger versions of characters that we know and then older versions of the characters that we know and tell some great stories. I think we'll call that series Star Trek The 76ers. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I kind of want to see the story like the exact moment that Starfleet changed from the maroon jackets to the really, really tight spandex uniforms. Yeah. I'm, I'm really wondering how well that went over, you know. Right. Everybody's like grabbing at the bottom, you know, you know, right there where your legs come together and like, oh, this is horrible. I can see like, like all around the fleet, the captains, they, they, they call the crew together and they say, uh, we have new uniforms, everyone. They're in these boxes right here. Uh, go open them up and and people open the boxes and they're like what the hell is what and they hold it up look at it like i'm supposed to wear this <laughs> were sulu and scotty still in the service at the time because sorry <laughs> yeah you know i don't think they would have been happy yeah you you don't get a lot of characters in in, in the next duration time period especially then that are overweight and so I, I feel, I do feel bad for them. What do they do? You know, yeah. they, they wear I, a lab coat. <laughs> I can just see Scotty pulling that out and holding it up. <laughs> like, what? I kind of do it, Captain. It just doesn't have the seams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's goodness. great. All right, That's a good Chris, question, before... though. Like, what, what would drive you to create that uniform? Especially when you went from, I mean, all your uniforms at that point have, except for the motion picture, which we're just going to stop pretending that, uh, yeah, let's just forget that. <laughs> you know, you've had pants and some kind of like shirt or jacket, you know? Um, and, and hey, in Enterprise, we even did it one better. We gave you a jumpsuit that was actually functional. It had zippers right. and had pockets, pockets and, all over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, gosh. So, um, yeah, then we get to the next generation. There's no pockets. <laughs> right. <laughs> the captain's like, hey, where do I put the keys for this shuttle? Um, maybe um. maybe that is what <laughs> caused them to create the com badge where you tap it. They had nowhere to put the communicator. <laughs> They're like, yeah, where am yeah. I, where, how am I supposed to carry this thing around? 
Oh, good point. And so instead of redesigning the uniforms, they created an entire new communication technology. Yeah, it was more expensive uh, yeah. to to recreate all those uniforms. <laughs> the Starfleet quartermaster's like, no, we want to go with, let's make all of our officers feel like they're naked when they're on duty. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, gosh. Whoo. Oh, man. Well. <laughs> Chris, before we just descend into complete ridiculousness, okay. uh, what's next on your list? Okay, well, then I'm going to have to switch the one I was going to do next because oh. <laughs> it will take us further into ridiculousness. I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with the Enterprise and the the like missing time period here. And this actually isn't something new. This is just part of my wish that we will continue to get Rise of the Federation books and we will continue to follow the evolution of the Federation as we've been doing right now, because I think it's been great so far and there's so much ground that can be covered. And if, if, if that stays on track, then we will actually see some of this bridging that we're talking about to, to get us from Archer's time to Kirk's time. Yeah. I mean, what made them change from comfortable jumpsuits to pajamas in space. I mean, I want to know when that happened. What's interesting to me is the idea of... Oh, and high heel boots. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And micro skirts. Exactly. seems very functional. (laughs) Well, I mean, I can understand that one. Yeah, I I totally (laughs) get that one. Old school Archer was like, maybe if we put him in mini skirts. (laughs) (laughs) So what I like about this, though, is the idea that the Vulcans and the Tellarites and the Andorians and the humans have to come together, getting their technology to work together, We've had some really clever explanations for colors, for divisions, and where those came from as well. And just protocol, uh, how different races react to similar situations and how that has to come together to be functional for one Starfleet as well. These types of things are very interesting to me. And I think, too, I mean, just the interaction of those races that we you know they're in the background for the original series and enterprise was really starting to explore them and we were getting tons of information more than we've ever got on vulcans and we were getting tons of information on andorians we would have probably got tons more information on tellarites all of these races that we had no idea of and and, and this is really where um i think the enterprise books that christopher o'bennett has been doing has been really helpful because I'm getting to know these places that I never got to know before. They were always just kind of in the background. And then unfortunately, you know, we really didn't use them. I mean, it was too hard in the original series by the next generation. Gene doesn't want to do anything that reminds people of the original series. And then the only series that really cares about connecting is deep space nine. In fact, deep space nine reminds me, I think it's the only place where we actually hear mention of like, those aliens like the Andorians oh, or yeah. anything else. Mm-hmm. And Not so, only that, but foods as well. All sorts yeah. of things from the original series get referenced in DS9. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I I think that the, the real value here is is helping to not just build towards TOS, but make TOS more exciting when you go back to watch it because you're you're knowing the history behind it, basically. And I'm excited, you know, to see um, where those characters go. Uh, you know, I loved Archer and T'Pol and, you know, I'm, I'm loving Captain Malcolm. I think he's great. His first officer, Mayweather, is actually fantastic. You know, talk about making a character who is nothing into something. 
Mm-hmm. Seeing, you know, we know how Trip will end up because him and, and T'Pol end up on Vulcan with kids. So we know the end of that story, but how does Trip go from where he is now right. to there? You right. know, yeah. uh, it's just let great me, story points. Let me just throw one of my other ideas out there right now since we're on this topic because I have some more. I want a series called Star Trek Travis, and it just tells the story of everything that Travis did on the ship that we never saw. <laughs> that, or it tells us how he grew up in space. So like Travis, the young years, you know, Travis born in space. <laughs> sitting sitting in the ship's sweet spot, you know, yeah, remembering all the go. alien planets. <laughs> exactly. Especially the one with the, you know, the special females. That, yeah, no, I was, thinking, I was trying to remember. Like, yeah. I was thinking that one of the, the next Star Trek pop-up books could be about that. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that is that Mayweather's sex education book that is right? And you know how in the bookstore, you know this, Matthew, because you used to work in in a bookstore. You know how they yes, have yes, sometimes the the things where like you can press if it's a book that makes sounds, a kids book, you could press the button so you can hear the sounds or like yep. try this mm-hmm. book. It could be like that. You know that could be the page that you could try out. It's like a, a touch thing where you could see. That's a fancy book right there. I, they, <laughs> wow, I wouldn't want to uh, clean up those shelves at the end of the night. Um, well, Dan, right. please please save us. And uh, what would be your next pick? <laughs> okay. Um, well, one of my favorite book series over the years uh, has been the New Frontier series by Peter David. It was kind of Pocketbook's first experiment with something other than the uh, main series books. You know why I like that one, Dan? Because mm-hmm. Leffler's in there. Oh, yeah. Ah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and she's got a lot of new laws. <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as I know, there was, there was kind of um, some question after the last novel if that series was going to continue at all. And, uh, you know, if the series isn't really going to... Uh, continue in a kind of long-term form after that i would at least love some kind of uh wrap-up book um or something that maybe shuffles them off into the wider uh next post nemesis continuity or something like that right yeah this is a series that you know and i know a lot of fans are gonna be like what but I've never read the New Frontier, and oh so my God. I, oh, really? I, I know oh. I know the characters. You know, I mean, I, I know Calhoun, and and I know Shelby, and I knew I knew Leffler was there, and so I knew a lot of these characters were there. It just was that came out at a time I think I I just wasn't able to read as much anyway. I I think I think I actually might have been when I was in grad school, and when they were really you know popular, and I just. I had no time to read anything. And so by mm. the time I was done, mm-hmm. you know, four years later, I've missed like six yeah. books and I just never went back and picked it up. I, but Peter David's a great writer and I know that people just love that series. So, I mean, I'm surprised that they wouldn't go back and, and at least, you know, give him one last hurrah. Absolutely. I, yeah. I remember when they came out and it was at a time when I was actually reading lots of Star Trek books and the, the first four books were short. Right. And I remember picking those up when they came out, just reading right through, and and yeah, I got hooked on the series pretty easily. Yeah, I think that's great. I don't. I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, that's a good question, Dan. Why? I wonder where they haven't gone ahead mm-hmm. and just allowed Peter David to 
to give it a, a, a last hurrah, as you said, you know, just let him finish everything up. Right. The last novel had kind of a few dangling plot lines that, you know, uh, I mean, it, it could serve as a final novel, but I would much prefer that it didn't personally. <laughs> well, and at that point, too, I mean, uh, you know, you can you know, take those characters and, and have them go anywhere right now in the, uh, you know, Star Trek expanded universe. And because you could take any one of them and put them, say, on a Titan or, a, or an Aventine or something like that. And they immediately mm. bring something with them to that series yeah. for a lot of mm. readers and you, they would immediately like that character. And so seeing it in a new place would be interesting, especially the way we did with, say, Miles on Deep Space Nine or the way that we've taken any of those characters and, say, put Tuvok on Titan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Well, um, you know, for me, this is a big one. It's serious. So hopefully Pocket is listening. More Deep Space Nine focus. I, I need you to bring back the full DS9 line that, you know, where you've got, you know, it's a Star Trek Deep Space Nine book. I, I know that's going to be happening with the missing. Uh, it's going to be under that label. Finally, I'm so excited that Una is doing that. But as I, we I talked love... about and Una told us it was originally a TNG book. Right. Well, so... and it does feature a lot of obviously one of my favorite characters, Beverly Crusher. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. But just glad that they've decided to put it under the heading of Deep Space Nine. Now, to me, and we've talked about this before, but I think that this means that you have to do something with Cisco, and you need to bring him back to the station, get him yeah. off the Robinson. Um, I, I think that that's a lost um, storyline opportunity. I, I don't think that he fits there as, as that kind of captain. Um, I think that the show proved that, if anything, Cisco is is made to be an admiral. Um, more than any of the Star Trek captains, because he thinks big and he can think in those big schemes. I mean, he would be, he would be known as Admiral Badass, right? Yes, yes, Admiral. I kicked Q's ass. <laughs> so, um, and I instead I of just... a Badmiral, he'd be a Badassmiral. <laughs> there right, you go. Yes. Yeah, a Badassmiral. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like that one better. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I I really do. I I think that. Um, frustratingly to me you know and i've i've had explained you know we saw deep state nine characters in a lot of different places but you know it kind of went by the wayside the soul key uh series we never really got a final resolution of that um so it's just kind of left there i know david r george the third would love to go back and fill that in or at least give us flashbacks to what happened and 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 yeah moving forward um I think, you know, it was great to see it in the light. Fantastic. I loved the fact in the light. Fantastic. I'm almost finished with it. But so spoiler alert here for anybody who hasn't read it. Jordy walks on and he's just amazed. In fact, he's he thinks to himself, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen engineering wise. I want to spend more time on this new Deep Space Nine. You gave us a brand new Deep Space Nine. You let some amazing guys put it together. I, I want to see more stories there. And I, I think um, it deserved it. You know, we're rereading the um, relaunch series. And honestly, guys, without the relaunch series, Star Trek books wouldn't be where they are today. Because I think the continuity that it gave the series and what it did for Star Trek books, uh, I really think it put them on the map with, with a lot of fans. And uh, it gave them something to look forward to, one. And it gave them quality to have to live up to. 
And so I would really like to see uh, the Deep Space Nine line be brought back so that every year we're at least getting one Deep Space Nine book, the same way we do with Enterprise or TNG or Voyager. I mean, luckily this year, I'm so excited we're getting two Voyager books in one year. Awesome. I'd love to see that with Deep Space Nine. Absolutely. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think there's an ebook coming out later this year, um, and I think it's under the Deep Space Nine banner as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah the one Lust, with... Slatinum, yeah. Lost, and Found or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's yeah. So that's good. exciting. I'm glad they're doing that. I, I like seeing that. I'm, I'm glad we're getting mm-hmm. a little focus. And the premise of that is that Quark's trying to get the latest version of Vulcan Love Slave. Vulcan right? Love Slave, yeah. <laughs> right, which is funny because I feel like somebody just, the, the authors heard us making fun of that forever on Trek <laughs> FM and decided we need a story here because uh, Vulcan Love Slave, it's a big deal. So <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually excited for that one for sure. Well, and yeah. I, I mean, just there's so many storylines, even again in The Light Fantastic, they visit Vic and we get to see him for the first time since, um, you know, they moved to the new Deep Space Nine. And there's a whole character that I want to see again mm-hmm. that hasn't been able to be out and about because they haven't had an, any books to focus on that that could be a plot line, like a C plot line, you know. So um, there's just so many story threads that just need to be picked up there. I, I hope that they will. And I, I think they're moving in that direction. I'm just crossing my fingers. Absolutely. That's one I definitely agree with you on for sure. I love Deep Space Nine. I'd love to see it featured again. Well, Chris, um, I feel like I just got real serious. So okay. well, <laughs> I think that you've got something funny for us. Well, I'll give you some fuel and I'll see where you guys go with this. All right. I'd like to see a series of books called Star Trek B-Sides. So if you think about albums where you've got the main single, but then you've got some other track on the other side... Star Trek B-sides are books that tell what else was happening in famous episodes of Star Trek. So what else was happening on the ship while the main story was going on? Oh, man, I'm just imagining so many TNG episodes with what Barkley was doing in the holodeck. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, On Voyager, what was the doctor trying to teach himself that week, you know? Oh, right. (laughs) Enterprise, what was Mayweather doing? (laughs) Well, there's so many of those. That's why I had the dedicated Star Trek Travis series, because otherwise we're not going to cover enough ground quickly enough on that. Oh, gosh, I, I, that would actually be, I think, a, a, a fun idea. What a great idea for, you know, a novella, um, those yeah. book novellas, you know, just mm-hmm. and, and, and in some ways, I kind of feel like those are B-side stories, you know, because they're more character focused. They're very quick. But that's a funny idea. I mean, well, you think about, you know, episodes like Lower Decks are very popular, mm-hmm. not only because yeah. of the very serious nature of that story but because we're actually getting to see other crew members and what life is like because it's crazy to think that on a ship with over a thousand people that we only really know what's going on with this group of six or seven people all the time there's so Mm. much other stuff going on and you only get a taste of that generally in something like cause and effect when data analyzes the message and he says, you know, there are X number of conversations about this and X number of conversations about that. Then you realize that there is so much stuff. It's a city. There's so much stuff going on all Mm -hmm. the time. So 
there has to be something else interesting happening during these missions that we're seeing on the screen. It's actually kind of funny. Uh, an episode of Deep Space Nine, uh, The Magnificent Ferengi. Now, I'm not the biggest Ferengi episode fan, but I really, really liked that one. And one of my favorite moments is when Quark and Rom are crawling through the uh, the Jeffrey's tubes or whatever they call them on Deep Space Nine. And they accidentally pop into Captain Sisko's office. Right. <laughs> he's like, yes, can I help yes. you, gentlemen? And he's reading this report. <laughs> and I remember thinking when I watched that, like, there's probably some big thing going on on the station yeah. that Sisko's dealing with right now. And all of a sudden, these Frangi pop into his <laughs> right. into his office. And I was just kind of thinking, it's kind of neat that we're seeing this little Frangi story. But, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. So you kind of get a That's little taste fine. of what's going on in the background. <laughs> Well, uh, let's see, Dan, what would be next on your list? Well, this is uh, my next pick is actually a series that um, I haven't even finished what they have out yet, but I'm really enjoying it and I'm really um, not looking forward to it ending when I get to the end. And that's the uh, Corps of Engineers ebook series. These ebooks kind of came out at a time where uh, kind of before the ebook thing became really popular, it was yeah. A pretty bold experiment, mm-hmm. I think. And they ended kind of again before the ebooks became really, really popular. And now we're seeing more ebook releases again under the Trek title. And I think Core of Engineers could be brought back. Uh, I'm really enjoying it at the moment. And I'd love to see more of those stories for sure. Well, and that's a place where they, they took a lot of characters that had been in the side before with Scotty, you know, that was kind of a, a main character, and really did some great things. Now, this is one I haven't, I think maybe I've read one or, or so of the Court of Engineers, but like you said, it's a it's a fun series, and I mean, it, what a, a neat idea to take kind of those technical problems, and not just a bunch of techno babble, but like the technical problems of, of starship life or any of the other things that they run into that they would need to call in these special engineers who, who, you know, solve problems and build amazing things. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in, in Star Trek, so many people love the tech. They love the starships. They love the stations. They love, um, all this cool stuff that they build, Mm -hmm. terraforming planets and all that kind of stuff running in the Dyson spheres. So, you know why? Um, I, I it, with ebooks becoming a bigger deal now in the line, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them maybe revisit this again. I think it would be a great idea because, like you said, they already have a, a built-in fan base that they had built up. I mean, this is kind of a cult following, honestly. In the, I mean, you know, Star Trek is already a cult following as it is, but the Core of Engineers series, man, people that have read this series just love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you guys talk a lot about like the little ship that follows Kirk around <laughs> fixing all the messes right. and that yes. kind of thing. I feel like this series is kind of the closest we got to that because you kind of get that in a few of the stories where, you know, in a Next Generation episode, for example, they might say, oh, we'll, you know, send in a ship after us, like a science vessel or whatever, or an engineering ship. And that's these guys. They come in and they fix what went wrong you know oh kirk was here he talked to your computer guys god to death we'll fix that for you (laughs) right (laughs) which as we knew in the light fantastic did that really happen yep in the 23rd century (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Well, um, you know, for me, and, and I didn't even write this down, but it was something that I was thinking of as, as we were talking, and uh, I really enjoyed some of the out-of-continuity series that we did, especially I'm thinking of the Crucible series, where, you know, they had um, Bones and Spock and Kirk and some great stories there just telling, you know, big stories that don't have to worry about the, the continuity with the rest of, of Trek Lit. Um, I really enjoyed that. I've also enjoyed, obviously, the big series, say, like Destiny, where I enjoyed The Fall. So I would love to continue to see those. Now, I, I preface that with saying that needs to be something that happens maybe once every three years. It, it doesn't need to be every year you're trying to top yourself. But I think it's great to have a big event like once every two or three years in Trek Lit um, I feel like the fall has kind of been like um, a nice kind of bookend to some of the things that they've been doing. And now we're kind of jumping off to the, uh, uh, another point in the same way that Destiny kind of felt like a bookend. And then it, it led to a whole bunch of other stories. So I think that's a great way to wrap up some storylines, kind of like a season of television does. And then kind of jumping off everything there because... Um, you know, in some ways, it, it also helps keep the line fresh so that people could, say, just jump in after the fall and right. hopefully be able to enjoy because that's a lot of continuity to try and catch up on. I mean, uh, just look at, uh, you know, the Trek Collective's big old flow chart. And, uh, you know, some people are scared to death. You know, luckily, you, Chris, and... Dan and I, we've all been reading this stuff for a long time, so we're not so far behind, but goodness, you know, you came in now, you'd just yeah. kind of be blown away, I think, mm-hmm. um, by how mm-hmm. interconnected everything can be. So, Well, it is like someone comes into one of the newer books and they think, you know, I kind of need to know what's going on before this. And like you said, then they go look at that chart and there's like 20 something books leading up to it. And then you're like, I don't have time to read all of these to figure out, so do I just jump in? <laughs> And just go yeah. from here, which you could do, mm-hmm. or, you know, do I try to make my way through them? Yeah, I have a couple of friends that really wanted to get into Trek books, and uh, I, I actually bought them the omnibus edition of Destiny and said, start here, just read this, this is great, and go from there. And uh, they loved it. So yeah, like you said, events like that kind of put a little bookmark or a bookend on a shelf, and you can say, start there or go right. from there kind of thing. Well, and then, I mean, if you liked what you saw there, you can go backwards. Um, and mm-hmm. if you don't, you can just keep going forwards and, and, and you feel really good. I mean, you could have done that with the, the the fall series. You know, you could have jumped into the fall. You would have missed a few things, but it, you know, it, it, it got you there. And the, the authors did quite a good job, I thought, of kind of alluding to some of the past and the events that had happened to kind of catch you up. And then it there you go. You're set, you know, um, five books. You're ready to go into, into the next um, chapter of Trek Lit. So I think that would be great. Uh, Chris, um, what else is on your list? You know, the, the other thing I really want is, and it's not really a continuation of anything or anything filled in, is I want audio versions of the books we have. That's uh, something yeah. that I keep calling mm-hmm. for and I'm going to keep calling for it. And the fact that this German publisher, High Score Music, is a new publisher for Star Trek doing an audio dramatization of Death in Winter 
with 40 actors, including the actual voiceover actors from the German Next Generation, is feels like a pilot program almost to me. I don't know why they're doing it only in Germany. I hope they do it in the States in English, but I just want to see more of those. And I people send me messages all the time saying that they wish that there were Star Trek audiobooks. We have a number of listeners who are blind who really want to read these books and they can't. And that's another, you know, almost every book that comes out these days has an audio version that drops the same day that the hardcover or the paperback drops, except for Star Trek. So I I really want to see that remedied somehow. Well, and you know, it's funny to me, Chris, you know, we get all these people doing these amazing fan films. It seems like to me, you could do like an old school style radio drama oh, yeah, yeah, with yeah. these books, but you know, and you we, need the license. I, See, that's the that's I guess that's the thing. That's um, the trip up there. Yeah, for for doing mm-hmm. existing material like this, uh, fan films are different because you're doing yeah, your own stories. That is true, and uh, you're not selling just, them. Also, I just feel like uh, you know fans would do that if if we could get the ability to do. Oh yeah, um, yeah, definitely. There's so many great fans out there. Um, yeah, and, and there are great like audio said, dramas it, out there already that oh, are yeah. original material, just like the fan films are. Hmm. Hmm. Man, that's a that's a good one. I, I I wish that too. And like you said, just mainly from doing the show, knowing people who who can't read the books and are frustrated because of their, uh, you know, being blind or, yeah. or having some other kind of a thing I, getting in the way, and even just like people not, I mean you'd like to be able to listen to it on your way to work or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, while you're exercising or anything like that. I will point out for listeners who don't know, I used to get my eBooks through Kindle and I finally, once it became easier for me to get iBooks here because I have an iPad and iPhone and I'm a Mac person. Actually in OS 10 Mavericks, they added iBooks as an application on the desktop And one of the greatest benefits, if you want to hear Star Trek books and there are no audiobooks and you can't read them, if you have a Mac, get the iBooks version and on the desktop, you actually can do speech to text for all the books. It's not like Kindle where it's it's disabled by the publisher for almost every book that you get these days. Uh, iBooks on the desktop, OS X, it will read the Star Trek books to you and it does a very, very passable job. Um, it the voice is quite good. I use one of the British voices. I can't remember the name right now, but and it actually does a good job with most of the alien names as well, which is surprising. Oh, I no. almost think that this uh, speech engine has been programmed with all the common Star Trek alien names. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but it, awesome. it works pretty well. It's not great. It's not a replacement for audiobooks, but it is a way that you know if if you're blind and you want to hear the books, try it. It, it works pretty well. Well, quickly here, uh, as we're kind of wrapping up, Dan, what would be um, the last thing on your Star Trek Trek lit Christmas list? <laughs> well, Matthew, I really enjoyed uh, a lot of the myriad universes stories. And these were kind of, this is kind of the embodiment of what we've been talking about, right? The what if stories of Star Trek. So what if Khan had won the eugenics wars? And, you know, Earth was uh, an augment empire and Julian Bashir is one of the 
prince regents of that empire. Now, there's a story like that in one of the existing Myriad Universe books. Um, and these stories were really fascinating. It just gives kind of a bit of a different take on the characters we know and love, on the settings and the universe in a way that, you know, the original Mirror Mirror episode did, but with a myriad of different scenarios and ideas and possibilities. This is awesome to me. I think um, it, it it gives you the opportunity, just like the JJ verse, to take the characters and do something really different uh, and not be tied down to anything and um, to create a fun and interesting story. You know, um, what if Trip doesn't die? You know, um, so and what if everybody knows he doesn't die? So, I mean, that alone was a story I would like to see. Mm. So I, I think this this is one of those things, too, where, um, you know, you can do this every couple of years, like put out an omnibus collection like they did with the Myriad Universes and, and just enjoy having a good time and have your favorite, you know, just have your favorite Star Trek authors come in. And, and I'm sure that they have plenty of ideas for, you know, a great 30 40 page short story just like this for different characters and let them run with it. And I be so much fun to, to be able to have that. Mm -hmm. Well, for me, uh, you know, really my last thing on my, my wish list here for Treklet is just consistent diversity in the series that we get throughout the years. Um, and the lineups this year has been a good year with that. When Into Darkness came out, we had a lot of TOS books, and they were definitely trying to capitalize on that movie and hopefully getting more people to buy the books. But it was a beating for me, personally, to have so much five-year mission stuff. Um, I love Star Trek. I love the five-year mission. I love Kirk and Spock, all of those characters. I mean, McCoy is my favorite Star Trek character, actually, um, of all of them. And so I appreciate that, but I really need and I enjoy more the diversity of the series because it helps me really appreciate what's coming out when I haven't just read, you know, last month, a another TOS book specifically. Uh, I think that's the one that's the hardest. Last year when we got five months of the fall, I was loving it. But (laughs) honestly, too, that's the only place where I can get the 24th century. And now, of course, this is the only place where we can get Enterprise. I was actually considering uh, putting on my list of things that I really wanted more five-year mission stories just to see the look on your face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, That's funny. How about a weekly series (laughs) of e-novellas all set during the five-year mission? (laughs) Oh, God. And I I think people just would get the wrong idea. It's not that I hate these books. You know, some of them have been so good. I really enjoyed the book this year with, uh, you know, Greg Cox's story with Seven and and, uh, her working with Captain Kirk. I thought that was actually a really fantastic Mm five-year mission story, combining two characters we never thought we'd see together. Very fun, very inventive, um, very enjoyable. So you can come up with amazing five-year mission stories. That's not the issue. I I just enjoy having the diversity because it really, I think, helps me enjoy the storylines. At least with TOS, I kind of feel like I get it a little bit every few years when they do a new JJ movie. But, you know, this is the only place to find those other series like Voyager, Deep Space Nine, TNG, Enterprise. It's the only place we can get those. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I really appreciate all that the authors are doing in those series. They're fantastic authors. I mean, I think Pocket has done a great job of finding people who understand Star Trek, understand the characters, and write fantastic stories that I could feel like, you know, this character would say this because they've got that voice down. Um, so <laughs> I just love seeing the diversity uh, of the series, and it really has been an awesome year so far, I think. So, well, Chris, why don't you wrap us up with uh, with something fun? Yeah, I have one more here. Um, you know, with with Axanar, with Prelude Axanar, the way they're presenting that story is they created the Federation Historical Society. And they're presenting Prelude to Axanar as if it's a History Channel special where they're, they're giving you a glimpse into this historic conflict. And that got me to thinking also that, Matthew, you remember doing our DS9 relaunch series that we're doing mm-hmm. here on the show. Yep. We read the short story, Horn and Ivory, and it gave us some information about ancient Bajor and how oh, the yeah. different groups yep. on the planet came together. It would be interesting to have a series, and it would be really niche, and I don't know how many people would really be interested in reading it, but if you really want to fill in the gaps in the Star Trek universe, if you had a series of books that were from the Federation Historical Society, and they actually gave you the history of different planets in the Federation and even other alien races outside of the Federation, and really flesh out the history of those planets so that they are just as rich as our own Earth history is, I think that could be interesting. Absolutely. That was actually one thing I really, really enjoyed about uh, Keith DeCandido's The Klingon Art of War was mm-hmm. a lot of the yeah. stories from like, you know, ancient uh, Kronos and how Kalis united the planet and that sort of thing. I thought that was really great. Well, and there are so many different um, races in Star Trek where you can do that. I mean, just think of all the great information that we got from Enterprise with the Vulcans. Uh, whether you loved it or hated it, it was still some information in a storyline and an arc for that people that we had never seen before. And it added such depth. And so I, I think seeing that like about the Andorians or the Tellarites or um, more on the Vulcans, um, giving us background on the Bajorans, the Klingons, uh, the Romulans, Cardassians. Uh, I mean, goodness. The and really going uh, way back to oh yeah like to, to mm-hmm. really how did these civilizations evolve in the first place well and two you know uh, it, it helps i think even to go to the point where you you know what was their mythology you know because you understand a lot about a people from their mythology i mean that's how we understand klingons we realize obviously that the the vulcans have a lot more mythology than we kind of ever give them credit for but we see bits and pieces of it say like in star trek 3 or you know obviously in in enterprise those kind of places they have a rich mythology the volk uh i I would expect that the romulans do as well but i expected them to be kind of like you know the the vulcans are the greeks and the romulans are are the obviously the romans Romans, and they've just kind of change the mythology just a little bit you know mm-hmm. so um that kind of stuff i think would be fantastic as well and what about with the tholians like the tholian royal family generation oh, yeah. after generation they keep interbreeding and then the crystalline structure weakens to the point where they're on the verge of shattering right so nobody can actually touch 
that you know <laughs> the royal thalidomide because they yeah. might just shatter right and, yeah. and you know leave a mess all over the floor <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think this has been a lot of fun. You know, part of being a fan is is having the opportunity to think um, about all these things. And, and obviously, you know, we do podcasts, so we think about them a lot and then we talk about them. And so I've loved each and every one of the ideas that you guys have had, whether they've been really funny and, and, and kind of semi-serious or actually serious. I think that there's some great ideas here. But what I think it also speaks to is, and, and Dayton Ward just wrote an article um, that appeared online that uh, him and, and David Mack had, had kind of promoted on Facebook and talking about the how much there's still left to talk about yeah. with Star Trek and in Star mm-hmm. Trek look. And, and if you think that you've emptied the sandbox that you're playing in, then you're wrong. And there is still a lot of space left here uh, in Star Trek and uh, in this universe. I hope that so, Morales hasn't been in that sandbox, Matthew. Oh gosh, that's true. <laughs> well, I mean, and and I mean, come on. There's some storylines that we haven't had a lot of. I mean, talk about five year mission stuff that I don't know. Like, you know, where do Mares and Eric's like? They they yeah. don't really play into a lot of those books. So I mean, every comic they're in it because well, because they look cool on you know because they look cool on yeah, a comic screen. Them, yeah. yeah, but I mean, those are some great characters that haven't been explored a ton in those books. So there you go. Well, I have a feeling that. Morales was just constantly leaving the ship in a shuttle and coming back and then leaving and coming back. I want to come in. I want to go out. I want to come in. I want to go out. Yeah. They installed her own like shuttle door. Right. So she can come in and out from her quarters. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, and did that, did that, the member of that canine species, did they chase each other around the hall? Right. Is that yeah. really why they just got kicked off? Yeah. They'd keep them separated. Anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, Dan, before uh, we let you go, we love having you on. It's been a great discussion. Tell everybody where they can find you online. Absolutely. Um, Well, first of all, I love being on and thank you once again for inviting me. Uh, Online, you can find me at treklit.com. That's my main website where I review uh, both new releases and past releases of Pocketbook Star Trek line. The reviews of the new releases also get republished on trekcore.com. And also, you can find me on facebook.com slash trekletreviews. I'm on Twitter at trekletreviews. And uh, that's about it. <laughs> great. Awesome, Dan. Well, thanks, well, thanks for, for joining, joining us, us today, Dan. It was, it was great having you here and hearing your ideas, too. For sure. Thanks for having me again. It's always my pleasure. Well, Chris, that turned out to be, I think, just a great conversation. I had a lot of fun getting to talk with you and Dan about the things we'd like to see in Treklet. And I think it just goes to show um, there's so much left that can be done in, in, in Trek and, and with the books. And, and I got a lot of passion for them. You know, I, I still do. I love reading them. I love the good stories that, that we've got there. And I just can't wait to, to see more every year what the writers are going to come up with. And so, and, and because of all that passion, you know, I'm a fan and that means I've got a big mouth and a lot of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, hopefully Margaret was listening to this show and maybe some of these ideas will get fleshed out. But this isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network this past week. So here's a quick look at some other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. <laughs> 
Roddenberry did not like that sequence at all because he felt that Kirk would not have done that, that that wasn't in the Star Trek spirit, that yeah. Kirk would have stu- studied the creature, not killed the creature. Earl Grey. I love the, the how the Cardassians look, especially once they're firmly established and not wearing what looks to be like cardboard drink holders you get from McDonald's. It looks like that's the material that it's made out of. The orb. To have this many habitable moons surrounding a habitable planet seems very interesting because usually what you get is a planet that's uninhabitable but is being orbited by a habitable moon. The ready room. And Worf's like, well, I was at the Marzon colony and then and then the audio fades out where the writers are like, oh, we're just not even going to try to explain <laughs> this. To the journey! Just think about it. The doctor is a priest. That alone is enough to end the episode debate and say that's a fantastic episode. That's like saying spirit folk is worth watching because Harry kisses a cow. Well, there you go. Commentary, Trek stars. Just because he can go away doesn't mean that he can't come back. To life. Because he dies. <laughs> he Wait, dies. what? Literally, he like gets his head chopped off. It's kind of... <laughs> Brutal, but um, We're skipping spoilers. over the part where Molaron pulls his heart out. Well, yeah, there was that too with the fire. Yeah, warp five. I wish <laughs> selfies were as big of a thing then as they are now, or they were as big in 2003 yeah. when this was filmed because they'd be like, Remember, that? I have a selfie at the time I turned into an alien, I have a selfie of me with ridges. Melodic tracks now, this changed when he sang in Leonard Bernstein's mass. And Bernstein himself saw Picard and told him he should pursue being an actor. Continuing mission. The original series has its own particular um, lore and fandom that are that mm. is different. Yeah. It is different. So it's so unique to be a part of something that is so um, dedicated to bringing back such a particular and specific part of that Star Trek universe. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. We're all over the place. Just search for Trek.fm, Literary Treks, or whatever show you want to listen to, and we will come up there. You can also get every episode of Literary Treks and every other show that we do in the Trek of Film Complete Master Feed. If you're in iTunes or on Stitcher and you're getting your podcasts there... Be sure to leave us a review. I mentioned in news that we're running a reviews promotion. And if you leave us a review, you can get your name in the drawing for some great prizes that include a season of Star Trek on Blu-ray or DVD of your choice, some Star Trek novels of your choice, official Starships collection ships from Japan, also a complete collection of our alien art badges. All you need to do is to review our shows and every review that you leave will get you an entry For example, you can review Literary Treks on iTunes and on Stitcher, and that will count as two entries. Also, you can review the Trek of Him Complete Master Feed, and that will count as an entry. And you can review all the other shows that you listen to on the network as well. So just leave your reviews and then go to trek.fm slash review. Complete the form that you find there. That gives us all the information that we need to get your name in the drawing, contact you if you win, and to thank you for your reviews, and also match you up your real name to the reviews that you left on the podcast and audio services like iTunes and Stitcher. If you'd like to send some feedback on the show today, let us know what you think about Flesh and Stone. 
Let us know your ideas for future Star Trek lit projects. There are a number of ways that you can do that. Go to trek.fm slash contact. We have a form there. Choose to send to a show. Choose literary treks. That comes to both Matthew and me by email. We're also in social media on Twitter. Our username is trek.fm. Facebook.com slash trek.fm. We have a community on G+. We also have forums, trek.fm slash forums. You can send us a voicemail through the website as well. Now, Matthew, when you're not staring longly at the cover of Flesh and Stone, issue number one, where can people find you? Chris, you can find me on Twitter at MattRushing02. Just give me an at reply. Let me know you're following and have a great conversation about all sorts of different things. Star Trek, uh, Star Trek books, uh, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, any of them, or just uh, anything that's coming up for you. uh, Movies, music, all that kind of stuff I really enjoy. Um, and then you can also find me doing The Orb with you, where we talk about Deep Space Nine, Chris, um, every week. And as well, I do have my own personal blog at 42lifebetween.wordpress.com. Now, Chris, when you're not wishing you were off on a shuttle pod with Pulaski, just the two of you, <laughs> where can we find you, Chris? Oh, gosh, you'll have to start doing the show by yourself, Matthew, because I probably would jump out of the airlock. Who wouldn't? On my own. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter as well. My username is C Brian Jones, the letter C and Brian with a Y. I'm also on Facebook, facebook.com slash C Brian Jones. Feel free to hit me up there. And I have my own website, cbrianjones.com. And then I do lots of shows on the network. Of course, Matthew, the Orb with you. I also do Warp 5, the Ready Room, Hyper Channel, Continuing Mission, and Matter Stream, which I do from time to time, and also the new Axonar official podcast. That's out now as well. The same day that this Literary Treks drops, we'll have a new episode of that, and we're joined by David Gerald. So be sure to tune into that and hear his thoughts on Klingons, because, of course, he wrote The Trouble with Tribbles, and Axonar centers on a conflict between the Federation and the Klingons. So that'll be a great show for you as well. Before we let you go, be sure to go and check out our sponsor, audible.com. You can get a free audiobook of your choice just for trying Audible. That's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Pick up the new Frontier books that we talked about in news and also in the future or any other book you like. If you decide not to stick with Audible at the end of the trial, there's nothing to lose. You get to keep that book. But your support of Audible does help us keep literary treks coming to you each week. So try it out, audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we really thank Audible for their support of the show and the network. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, live long and read on. What do you call that light reading? To each his own, number one.